Welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. We got the wisdom gang today, Tim, so I think we're going to learn something. Well, I hope so. Name like Saga Wisdom, you got to have something good, right? Yeah, for real, for real. This is this is going to be great, man. Mike, Mike Wadzecki, John Thompson bringing the uh, Saga Wisdom to us today. I think, Mike, you're in you're in Houston, and John, you're up in Calgary, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Well, oh, fantastic. Well, uh, I came across Mike, actually. I'm, I'm in downtown Denver right now, sitting right across from the Denver Athletic Club. And I think, Mike, that's where we met at an event a couple of years yeah. ago, three years yeah, ago. Yeah, one of the SPE events, I believe. It was, uh, yeah, we were up, Mark and I were up there uh, with Q Engineering at the time. And then we've, uh, we've, been in touch during all the other events uh, since then yeah you guys were hot at the time i remember you said something like you had six meetings set up the next day i'm like well that's a good sign and an even better sign when you guys got acquired really quickly so congrats yeah it was a whirlwind for sure well exciting stuff but after after that you um you went to saga wisdom so my question for you, John, you're you're kind of running the show over at Saga. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, and then we'll dive into your your histories, your backgrounds, and and uh, just have at it. All right. Yeah. No problem there. Uh, well, every uh, company, every startup is born from an idea. Usually, there's a challenge, there's a problem that you're trying to address, and uh, the one that we encountered as technical professionals in the industry was training and education. Um, we had seen other industries with uh, better solutions for how they were addressing training and education, like why, why can't we be doing something similar? So some of the challenges that I'm sure a lot of uh, our peer group can appreciate was um, things were expensive. We were still like hiring, you're seeing experts getting hired, thrown into boardrooms for like upwards of $10,000 a day. So not exactly uh, great there. Um, it, people don't have time anymore. Let's think about all the downsizing in industry, engineers, geoscientists, people working at EMPs, they're, they're so busy, they don't have time for training and education, but you got to have it. Otherwise, you don't know what you're doing. So that's a problem. Um, getting trainers is hard. The experts were hard to come by. So how do you create a solution that allows the experts to scale um, to get worldwide access to everybody so that people can be learning from the best in the business, sort of like masterclass.com if you've stumbled across that website. Um, the content that's out there was not really adequate. It was outdated. You go to universities and colleges and it's like five years old or 10 years old. So that was a problem we knew we had to fix. Um, and recently because of COVID, which was never really on our radar was safety. Um, obviously everybody's going to zoom and, you know, virtual programs. And, uh, you know, we, we knew that if we had a digital solution, an online solution that that, in, in light of COVID and anything else that's going to hit us disease-wise in the future, that's something that we wanted to make sure we um, that we addressed. So, so four of us got together, um, you know, in a restaurant. I mean, we built this business in a bar, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and I think spent- most are built in bars. <laughs> the good ones, the good ones at least. Yeah, and it took a while. I mean, uh, it was just a conversation for the first few months, and then we're like, "Wait, we can do this!" Like, we're mid-season professionals. We've got networks. We know what we're doing. We're in our forties. You know, we we think we're the right people for the job, and uh, we think we can, you know, turn this and monetize it and, and get it going viral. So we knew we could build a better mousetrap, 
Um, and we had, you know, we worked in service roles our whole careers. Like we didn't work at EMPs, but we worked at the companies that supported those EMPs. And so we said that if we have a good idea, uh, we've got a community, we've got a group of people who, uh, who are our friends that'll follow us. And so we know we can get those solutions into the market quickly. So we, we, we whipped up a steering committee and we put 80 MPs from the U.S. and Canada. We got reps from, you know, a lot of the majors and intermediates. And um, we started the ball rolling. We're like, if, how do you want us to build it? If we build it, will you come? And, uh, and we did and they did. So really, like our, our business is, is providing a really effective and efficient training solution so that you can learn on the fly as you need it while you do your jobs in 10 or 20 minute chunks so you don't have to sit in a classroom for several days and have a, a darn good memory uh, about what you learn and if you have to apply it six months later. So that, that's the solution. And we've been in the market now for just under a couple of years. Uh, Mike on the call here just opened our US operations in Houston just a couple months ago. Uh, well, I guess we're finishing our third month here in Houston. And uh, yeah, so we've got, you know, Enveris' loss and, you know, from the uh, drilling info, Q engineering, all of that, where you got to know them, their loss is our gain. And, um, you know, we've, we've got a product now that we, we're ready to go uh, to the broader market beyond our steering committee out into the, into the public domain. So very cool. anyway, that's, that's us. Well, I mean, I got a question about training because one of the things that's always interesting to me is that you go through a training class and unless you really take that information and use it pretty much right away, you lose it. It kind of goes into a, Hey, I remember learning about it and all that. Do you have like kind of that knowledge transfer part of your classwork or how does that, how do you kind of well, overcome that challenge? Well, think about going digital. Think about an, an online, like to take that course that you took. What if it was digital and you learned it and you're like, well, that's interesting, but I got no means of applying it. Like just, to respond to that, I've taken the same course 10 years ago, three times in a row, because I kept forgetting it. So I had to keep registering and paying and take it. And I keep forgetting it because I didn't have any practical application. Well, what if you took the course and it was all indexed and organized and, you know, filled with reference materials and it was online and you're like, I don't need a good memory. I sort of remember kind of the message, but not perfectly. Well, you, you click a few times and bing, 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 you're into that, that lesson again and you can get a refresher. What we're trying to provide isn't a one and done training um, workshop, which is what we're all used to. Yeah, you get that, but the, the real power is having a repository that's so well organized and at your fingertips yeah. that you can get to it whenever you need it. The fact is you're going to learn stuff you're not going to apply maybe for a year or years, but then you know it's there, you know where to find it, and you can refresh yourself. So that's, that's you know, a distinguishing, that's, that distinguishes us from a lot of other solutions out there. Yeah. yeah and another thing Sorry, to, to, to mention, yeah, no worries. The other thing to mention there too is, you know, um, courses a lot of the time become stagnant. So one of the things that Saga does differently than a lot of other training courses is that we add chapters, we have, you know, uh, auxiliary instructors come in and say, hey, I can fill in the gap on this particular topic and add a chapter to this general part of the course and uh, so it's always evolving and always changing and we're always trying to um, make it evergreen so that way um, the users are always gaining something uh, through that uh, through that uh, subscription year 
Yeah, I guess that's another key point of like, how are we selling this thing? We're selling it uh, annual subscriptions is how we do it. And you can think of us as a hybrid between masterclass.com and Netflix, because when you subscribe, you might want one of our courses, but we're going to give you the lot. You know what I mean? We're, we're trying to give you a fully integrated, holistic um, experience where you've got access to all of the scientific disciplines that you want, and not just in silos, but in, in an integrated sense. So like more than just, oh, these guys have gone digital and it's online and that's a nice to have. Um, there, there's a fundamental philosophy that we have that, that we believe that education like learning incrementally, like adding more sciences and more disciplines shouldn't have to cost you extra. You pay one flat fee, you get in there. And if the analogy I use for anybody over the age of 40 who remembers the movie, um, you know, uh, Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting, is that you can get all the education you need from books without going to university. And if you get on an online platform, there's no restriction. You want to keep learning, go right ahead. We're not going to charge you extra for taking XYZ course. You've paid your fee. Uh, you paid it for a course probably, but you can take them all. So the hope is that we can instill um, sort of a uh, of this like never stop learning, um, you know, spirit in, in engineers so that they feel that they can learn when they need to learn. They can learn in bite-sized chunks and they can adopt that as part of their, you know, daily or weekly routines. Sort of like going to the gym and working out, you know, you to get in shape, you got to hit the gym once or twice a week uh, or whatever. Or if, if church is more your thing, whatever it is, it's it's got to be in your routine. And education is part of that as well. Yeah. How do you like them apples? <laughs> We're big Goodwill hunting fans over here. We've referenced it on this pod, I believe, a couple times before. But yeah, yeah certainly a perfect segue into Boston sports, Tim. Is that where we're going to jump into next? I, he got close. So you got to go there. I mean, Patriots <laughs> just spent a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah. So I want John, John and I are not fans of Boston. We're both uh, Montreal Canadiens fans. No, oh, if you, if you, glance, if you glance off of anything Boston, we're going to wind up in we're Boston going. sports with Jeremy. So, all right. I was born in Montreal, so uh, I won't hold it against you, but I'm a Habs fan. And vice versa. So, um, a lot of money because the Patriots just spent a ton of money in free agency. You know, Belichick plays chess, kind of like our saga boys over here. But but what I want to bring that back to is you mentioned $10,000 a day, man. I need one of those gigs. That yeah. sounds like the kind of job we should be going for. Our, our, the president of the company, Mike, and I worked at, uh, at first, 2009 is when I came on board and I met Mike, uh, was Louis Matar. And he's sort of the godfather of pressure transient analysis, well testing and you know, that, that led into product. Like for me, I'm a rate transient analysis, subject matter expert running around teaching workflows. That, that was sort of my function at Fiquette. And, uh, Louis charges at, at, at IHS, if you wanted to hire him, it's $10,000 for a one day workshop. And sure. that's, that's not uncommon. Um, surprisingly because, and keep in mind, like to get ready for a workshop, there's prep work and stuff. So it's not like 10,000 a day. It's not quite as simple as that, but the idea here, I'm, I'm, I'm not using hyperbole. I'm using like actual examples where it's sinfully expensive and it's cause these guys are highly sought after. There's few of them in the world and there's tremendous demand when oil and gas prices are high, right? Uh, prices for most trainers have come down in the last year or two because of the downturn, but uh, that's going to change, and we can already see the winds of change blowing um, back to the way they used to be. And these guys are going to start commanding 
large um, compensation thing. So like, and, and I don't know, modern EMPs just don't have that kind of disposable income for, for a lot of things. And so, mm. but they need to know what they're doing. So if not us, somebody need, like would have had to come up with, uh, you know, a more cost effective and superior solution for learning things. And we, like I said, like we took it upon ourselves. We, uh, we saw a gap and we, we want to f- try to fill it. Yeah, I, I think the the knowledge portal, the learning management space is going to take off. And, and like many things tech-wise, oil and gas is slightly behind, but it's going to catch up very quickly. So I, I remember looking at your pod, your uh, website right away and thinking, this is, this is great and I want to have these guys on the pod. So Mike, I, I've got a question for you because I've been in the situation before myself where everything sort of comes together. The stars align and you work at a startup where everything goes as good or better than planned. And you guys just knocked it out of the park at Q. So I want to know, you know, you, you were probably methodical about your next move coming off such a successful run and then exit. What was it that pushed you towards Saga to make you think maybe we could repeat that here? Well, there, there's a couple things uh, that kind of led up to me even joining Q. So first and foremost, um, I have to give credit to uh, to the Fiquette guys uh, from the get-go. Um, I was part of the U.S. expansion team that moved from Calgary to Houston to start the U.S. office with Fiquette. We then sold to IHS in 2013, and that really... I was not a partner of that uh, deal, but it really helped me understand, um, you know, the metrics and the things that are important uh, with a transition from a small company to a big company. And then also, you know, the culture of uh, what we built at Fiquette, we've all carried forward uh you know, over a decade, a lot of people who have left Fiquette have gone on and been super successful in the various organizations that they've joined. And um, when I had the opportunity to join Q, I had, you know, interviewed with, you know, probably four or five different companies. I wasn't happy, uh, you know, with where I was at a big company. I'm more of a small company guy. And uh, the funny thing about Q was I was actually um, a account manager for, uh, Mark Bohorich, who was one of the founders at Q, and uh, sure. both John and I met him. He took us actually out on a tour uh, of the Eagleford. We uh, we saw some live rigs. Um, he kind of, you know, gave us the rundown. You know, a lot of times we do all this th- theoretical stuff, you know, in our software. He took us around and showed us the town and, you know, basically rolled out the red carpet for us and kind of showed us that hospitality. And it was that relationship that I maintain with Mark when he said, Hey, I'm going out on my own. We're doing this tech startup. We're doing another software company. You know, do you want to join us? And, uh, the opportunity just kind of looked good, but it was, it was kind of scary because I was the first, uh, first, uh, employee at Q. So, um, they said, you know, do you want it? Do you want to, you know, help us with business development? And, uh, you know, I I just kind of looked at, Mike, yeah. I love that one because Mark called me uh, saying, what about this Mike Wazdecki guy and you were calling me? Like, <laughs> what about this Mark Bohorich guy? And and I was in the middle like playing matchmaker and playing Cupid and I, I thought it was so hilarious because you're both calling me for, for references. And yeah, that's what like when Mark was at Plains Exploration and he was walking us through Carnes County, Eagleford, like there was instant chemistry. Like Mark, I knew Mark was brilliant. Uh, I knew he was a good guy. And, uh, you know, to Mike's my idea of following Mark, I... 
I, I think the idea is that's just it. You follow, like Mike follows people. I follow people. Some people follow tech. They follow ideas. We follow people. Yeah. And, uh, and Mark was solid. And uh, hopefully, Mike, that's why you came to work for us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, yeah, the same thing. So, you know, came on, uh, we, we just hit that window perfectly at Q. Um, I, I can't take any really real credit because we actually brought oh, on, come on three other uh, Fiquette guys who, you know, the, the one thing we really wanted to instill, instill at Q was the culture that we had built at Fiquette. You know, the, hey, let's work hard, but play hard and have a lot of fun. And we really kind of wanted to instill that if you if you have a lot of fun at your job, you will be successful. And um, so obviously we did the transition. We sold just before coronavirus hit, we can't say that, you know, we weren't, we had a little bit of luck on our side um, moving to Inveris. Um, but the people in Inveris were great. Uh, but I wanted to go back to the small company at Dynamic. And, uh, you know, uh, John and Darcy and Dylan, Dave has reached out to me to say, hey, you know, we're looking to, you know, branch out and really build out our US operations. We've kind of got the the kindling going. Let's, you know, let's make this thing go exponential. And, uh, same thing. I mean, I, I just love working with these guys. I, I wake up every day having a good time. You know, our group thread is always, you know, going and we're always laughing at each other and um, just having a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can take the success that, you know, I was able to see at Q and take that to Saga and really uh, make this company uh, uh, really go gangbusters. So... Yeah. yeah, the uh, this feels like it's a Fiquette club that we were yeah, actually man. starting here, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. Fiquette 2.0. Don't think that we didn't think about that, um, but <laughs> but we but yeah, it's a bunch of Fiquette alumni for the most part. It's nepotism, right? I mean, you're building companies and you build generally with what you know and you know what you're getting. Uh, with Mike and not to pump his tires, but I thought I knew what I was getting with Mike because we worked together and ran across the U.S. on business development and sales calls doing demos for software, right? But my God, like I was blown away with how much he picked up while he was away from my site, like when he was, you know, helping to build build Q from a seedling, um, you know, at least on the marketing and sales front and, and the rest of it. He, he absolutely picked up a few tricks along the way and uh, we're the benefactors of that. So that's awesome. Yeah. And I guess when you guys are, when you're all up in Calgary, at least one other Fiquette alumni has got a nice hotel for you to stay in out in the hills or something, right? Oh, um, you're talking the nice hotel that I know is one of the partners of Fiquette, Kevin Dunn. And I that's think it's right. In, it's that's in Fernie, right. Fernie, British Columbia. <laughs> I couldn't so, remember the name of the town. I didn't want to make a guess. It's, 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 a, Fern, it's fantastic yeah. looking. I, I'm, it's on my list to go learn how to fly fish there. But I want to talk yeah. about one of the other Fiquette alumni here because I, I don't know this man, but I just looked at the the uh, website of you know, Saga Wisdom. Darcy, first of all, yeah. his last name Fairbrother. Yeah. Fantastic. But then he took it to a whole new level. He had to be the namer of the company, right? Saga Wisdom? Uh, It was named in my basement uh, with Darcy and I. And it didn't start with a goddess of wisdom. It wasn't the Viking goddess (laughs) of wisdom. We looked, uh, Fiquette is, uh, what is it? Hungarian for black in that language. So we looked for other colors. We looked for black in different languages. It was going to be our silly spinoff of Fiquette, like a Fiquette spinoff. But... But then we, I don't know, we didn't find any words or things that we liked. The the wives were upstairs, you know, chit-chattering while we were trying to- I'm going to guess there's some fermented hops and barley going down as well. 
Yeah, well, you know what? That's almost always the case with us, but I think this was Sunday morning. <laughs> but but yeah, that's a pretty good assumption most times. I uh, Anyway, we stumbled on the name um, while we were digging around, and we we're big Viking fans. I think he's actually part Viking, uh, but based on genealogy. But, well, I'm just um, looking at him. He, the last name and, the, uh, of course, the helmet that he's got on in his picture. Man, crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's his personality. Funny. And there's a cropped off uh, beer can that you can't see in the picture that he's crushing in his hands. But we, we figured that that was maybe not appropriate any longer, that we're no longer a garage band, that we're, we're, try, <laughs> we're ready for, for prime time. So yeah, uh, didn't think but, that would go over in the Middle East too well. So the, yeah, that's a good point. But the lines between you know personal and and business were completely shattered this last year anyway. So I would have been fine with it. So yeah. Tim, I want to I want to bring it back to to Bohorich because I was at the, uh, the the hub of the production hub OVS Group, Tim's fantastic organization down in Houston, and we were watching Evolve. Shout out Digital Wildcatters. I don't know if you guys saw that. But that conference amazing was, conference. So I mean, the the camera guy. Oh my god! Like professional, like twenty twenty caliber stuff. So so we're sitting in at OVS, and Tim and I are watching on the screen. And I think it was with the CEO, right? It was a uh, yep. president, president of his company comes in, and it says, you know, Mark Bohorich, and Mark is talking up there, and and Larry goes, "Is that Mike Bohorich's kid?" So Tim, I want you to give some background here because. Mark is an innovator, but it turns out there's some precedents in his family here. Well, I'm, when I started in the industry at, in, well, that's a long time ago, but we're coming up through GeoQuest and pretty much at that time, if you were anybody in the GNG software space, you have to go, you had to at the time, go make your run through Apache and get blessed by Mike, uh, Mark's dad. And it was, it was always interesting is like, Hey, have you been to see Mike yet? You know, and <laughs> and so when, when Mark came around, I was like, I was expecting, oh boy, another geoscientist. And, and you know, <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was interesting to watch, uh, you know, as you know, it's in his blood to go down that technology route. It was really yeah. cool. Mike was, uh, was uh, on our board at Q2. He was very, very instrumental in helping us, you know, with that kind of old wise wisdom, you know, because, you know, Q engineering was very run and gun, like, let's just flood the gates and just go for it and there was times where he'd you know give us pause to think have you thought about this or have you thought about that and he was in on every single one of our monday morning sales meetings so i can't say enough about mike behorich and um you know his guidance and 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 whatnot for q uh, we definitely couldn't have done what we did without him and and john has worked with mike as well from uh, you know uh some of the consulting types of uh questions he's had and whatnot well, he's very say, very uh, very smart yeah, I don't know Mike like you know Mike, but um, you know, obviously I know Mark pretty good. And I asked Mike if he would give us some early feedback on Saga in our first year of business when, you know, when we had a pretty like like first version of our platform and only one course in rate transient analysis. And I said, Mike, what do you think? And like, how do we scale this? And like he he gave me some pretty invaluable feedback. So yeah, like I don't know Mike well, but that that's my Mike story. And their, their whole family is successful. I mean, Mark's got brothers that uh, are in energy. Um, every Everything that they do uh, has become very, very successful. And we so can give Cloud, just... Cloudbreak a bit of a, a shout out, I suppose, right? Oh, With, yeah. Uh, Lauren yeah. and his wife's company, and he's come on board of that one. And Yeah, while we're name dropping, let's do them all. Yeah, yeah. No, that, <laughs> well, also, I think Mark has a has a podcast on Digital Wildcatters. So Not really. It comes interesting. Shout out Digital Wildcatters. Sponsorships available, everyone. Um, mm -hmm. Anyways, no, that uh, 
that cloud break is very interesting. Um, I It's sort of an incubator of sorts, but basically Mark and his wife, it seems like, are vetting out ideas and then putting yeah. teams together. You, you, you don't find capital. Yeah, you don't find capital from a seed, from an idea. Nobody does that. They want to see revenue first. And so exactly. that, that's pretty special. Um, I don't know. Maybe the, from after this podcast, I'll call Lauren and Mark up and see if they can accelerate our business. <laughs> I think you're I too know. late stage for them, man. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we're okay. But uh, you're right. That's not what they're advertising for. So we, we kind of did this backwards just because I didn't know a ton about Saga Wisdom. I mean, certainly the website looks fun. And, and I know that Mike certainly and John, I can tell you care about culture. But um, I just I have to go in on this a little bit. So how are you guys Habs fans? How are you Montreal Canadiens fans? Born, I was born there. Mike has no good reason. Yeah, Mike, what is it? <laughs> My reason was uh, Patrick Waugh was my idol. Um, you know, I always played goalie when I was a kid, um, street hockey, wherever it was. And, uh, you know, at the time, I was uh, – my dad's a big Flames fan. The Habs went to the finals uh, in 86 versus Montreal, and uh, and Montreal won. And it was in no short uh, order due to uh, Patrick Waugh. And so, uh, you know, I was like, this goalie is – fantastic and um, then I kind of fell in love with the team after falling in love with the goalie so uh, that's that's kind of my story there's your Denver connection there uh, yeah, I was gonna there you say, go. I'm like I'm like uh, maybe a, a two kilometers away from the Pepsi Center or whatever they call it down here right now Patrick I've been Wild. to an avalanche game actually yeah. it's fun and you can I got a, I got a, I got yeah. an ignorant hockey question this has always bugged me so it's the Montreal Canadiens that's the name of the team. Yeah, Where's Hab come from? Le, Can- Le Canadiens de Montréal. Yeah. Les habitants. Les habitants. Yeah, les habitants. Right? Like the inhabitants. Literally, the inhabitants. Les hab. Like the hab. Okay. The inhabitants. Okay, so that's where I come. So it's actually the French part of it coming coming out. Okay. Yeah, and you could say that's the H and the CH in the crest, right? Okay. There you go. So, I mean, if you guys were Yankees fans, you know, I'd probably ask you something rude like, you know, what is it like to root for a team that used to win all the time that doesn't anymore? But I'm not like I'm not going to do that, right? Or maybe I just did. But anyway, it's my, podcast. it's my podcast, so I can do stuff like that. N- nonetheless, yeah, I mean that Boston Montreal rivalry is is awesome, and certainly Montreal as a city in and of itself is is fantastic. But it feels like now I've still got a bunch of Canadian friends that that the Maple Leafs and the the Habs have a really good chance this year in part because the pressure isn't the same without the fans and the media all over them. Is there something to that? Maybe, but there's more something to the fact that they're in a seven team division and everybody else has eight. So, (laughs) and you can rule out the senators from competing. So really it's a division of six. So it's, it's, uh, it's easier to make the playoffs when there's fewer teams in your division. Was Uh, that a shot across the bow there? Yeah. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just saying, where are you? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like who in Canadians are getting the, the the benefit of seeing Canada play Canada all the time. We love it. We're rolling around in it. Not everybody loves it, but I love it. Uh, but at the end of the day, is the pressure cooker off? No, the media is still the media. You think the media has gone away? No. <laughs> I mean, the media in Montreal, it is religion. It is church. They take it very, very seriously. You do not joke around when the team is losing. Like if you're dealing with like outfits in Montreal, they'll hang up the phone. It's serious business. And if you go to these games, they dress up in suits. And if you like a lot of people, and if you ask any NHL or like, what's your favorite hockey rink? If you've ever heard those interviews, they all say Montreal because it's like hockey is passion. So 
I don't know if you've if you've not gone to Montreal to catch a game and some late night entertainment afterwards. I'd say you you need to put that on your bucket list. All right, it's on the la, list. La, la Rue La Rue Catherine. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> all I can say is poutine. That's all I got. Well, you That's know, right. I'm from yeah. I'm from New Hampshire, and it was almost equidistant. I mean, if you took away the border, and of course, them giving us an incredibly hard time when we wanted to cross the border into uh, into Quebec. I mean, it was it was about three hours to Montreal, and, and almost three hours to Boston. So um, <laughs> it, it was it was mixed, but no, very familiar with the with the rivalry, and um, certainly how much you know French Canadians may not appreciate us. Americans, but that's that's a different story. Uh, I, I, Cam, Cam nearly ran over us like a truck way too many times, so I'm still scarred from that. And he's and he's still in Boston, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious a little bit. Um, where did you guys go to school, and and did you meet at Fiquet, or was it even prior to that? We met at Fiquet. Um, nice. But my our schooling's different, I guess. I I I grew up. I mean, my high school was a boarding school that was all boys when I started went co-ed at the end. It's called Trinity College School in a really small town, Port Hope, Ontario, 15,000 people. The school's older than Canada, so that was my high school. My university was an undergrad degree in mining engineering at Queen's University in Kingston, where it's my hometown. Home of Don Cherry, Kirk Muller, Doug Gilmore, to throw in some hockey. There we go. Um, did a master's degree in chemical engineering at the University of Calgary. Um, there was a bit of uh, we'll say life experiences and growing in between the undergrad and the masters where I was finding myself, you could say, and then AKA bartending, bartending, uh, <laughs> I was doing, yeah, bartending and well, sales. I mean, you name it like fitness, personal training, like restaurant ownership. Like I failed at a lot of things. We'll say that. Um, but I, I did, I wanted to brush off the undergrad. My undergrad marks were garbage, uh, but they let me start a master's program at UFC and, I graduated. I specialized in uh, chem eng as a like downstream side of our industry, like in situ upgrading and refining, meaning you treat the reservoir and the earth as a reactor and you sort of like pump up the temperature, throw in some catalysts and bing, bang, boom, you're cracking hydrocarbons in the ground and turning them into uh, less viscous, more mobile oil. It was pretty cool. But then a year later, uh, after working, you know, for a, a government branch of research for oil and gas for, for, you know, we'll say water flooding and polymer surfactant or soap flooding, if you will, I got into Fiquette and I was taking evening classes even after my master's in oil and gas, just to kind of keep myself sharp and seeing what's out there. I met Louis Matar, who's the president of Fiquette, um, at one of these like guest spot lecturers and I fell in love with him and I knew right away I needed to work at Fiquette. I don't know what it was. Uh, it was a lightning strike. And then, um, I don't know. I walked in. I had a few interviews. I got a job. It all happened so fast. I was freaking scared. I was like, I called my mom and dad. I'm like, this is happening too fast. Like this should take weeks or months. But so I, I walked away from my job and I started and there was Mike was selling things. And um, <laughs> we, uh, we bonded over beer pretty quick there. Yeah, our favorite uh, city to travel to was Pittsburgh. We would uh, oh, we would have time. a real, no, real good no time in that city. Yeah, I'll go there anytime. Yeah. <laughs> we went to some hockey games and uh, yeah. yeah, had a lot of fun on uh, Southside. Yeah, yeah so let's, yeah. let's get uh, gas prices up, and you guys will head back to Appalachia before you know it. Yeah, I I hope so. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I think Pittsburgh's on both uh, Jeremy and I's list. We we made a little tour through there together. Uh, a few years ago, it was a lot of, we had a great time in there. Max is on the Allegheny, uh, a homegrown German spot. I, I always tell people, it's like, how do you know that place? The locals always say, how do you know? I'm like, well, 
because it was awesome. Tim and I stumbled upon it. I think we, we got a recommendation from someone local, and we we it went was. to it. it was like, oh man, this is fantastic. Well, you you be sure to send us a pin in that uh, Google Map there, so we can find it ourselves. Oh yeah, no doubt. So, Mike, how about you? Where where'd you grow up, and uh, where'd you? Yeah, go to yeah. So um, I was born in a small town in Alberta, uh, just outside of Calgary, a couple hours south of Calgary, called Lethbridge, Alberta, um, and then basically uh, went to. Uh, my, my parents had a job transfer up to uh, Edmonton area, and uh, so I went to high school in St. Albert, Alberta, um, same high school as Jerome McGinley, another hockey uh, reference for you guys. Yeah, Bruins legend. And, and, uh, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, basically uh, in high school, I didn't really know what, what I wanted to do after afterwards, and uh, so I decided to go into chemical engineering as a, as a tech uh, did that at Southern Alberta Institute of Technology, uh, graduated when, uh, oil prices crashed to $10 in, uh, the late nineties. So there was no, uh, no chemical engineering, uh, jobs for me at the time. And so I actually, uh, went into carpentry, uh, built some houses for a while and then, uh, realized I didn't want to work outside in minus 40 for the rest of my life. And, Who does? uh, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so decided to go back to school, and that's when I got my petroleum engineering degree. Um, and then um, went into industry, actually uh, working doing uh, pressure transient analysis work at a small little EMP up in Calgary called uh, Trilogy Energy. Um, did that for a couple of years, and actually uh, another former Fiquet employee, while well, he's still actually at IHS, his name's Graham Helfrich. Um, me and him went to school together, and. Uh, and uh, he went straight to Phuket out of uh, out of school, and he was telling me about how he's traveling around, and he gets to go to Denver, and he gets to go to Houston, and do all these you know sales meetings. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a way funner job than me sitting in front of a desk all day every day <laughs> yep. doing pressure transient analysis uh, work. And uh, so he got me an interview. Um, I. Uh, basically had to present the software, which I was already using in industry, back to the sales team as part of my uh, um, onboarding or, or, I guess, part of the sales interview. Now, that's a high-pressure demo right there. That was high-pressure because I had to present the software to the president of the company, Louis Matar, um, and, uh, and, uh, and the entire sales team. And they had to critique my sales presentation to see if I had what it took to become a sales guy. And uh, I did okay. There was definitely some constructive criticism that, uh, you know, this or that I needed to work on. And then uh, three weeks later, I was on a plane to Denver and doing demos. And I've been in software sales ever since. All right. So you guys have been doing, running around selling software and doing demos. And now I guess you're breaking into the training. You've had to have been into some crazy presentations all those years, traveling all over the place. Do any stick out for the you know, just that funny fail kind of thing or anything really come to mind to bring to yeah, us? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, yeah, so I was uh, I was at a presentation up in the Woodlands one time. I'm not going to say uh, which client I was seeing at Please the time. Please don't. And, uh, Newfield. Newfield. No, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't an EMP. It was an actual uh, – it was an actual vendor that, that they still needed our software to do uh, engineering analysis. And uh, as an old guy, probably in his late 60s, you know, should have retired, you know, five years earlier, but he was just kind of hanging on for whatever reason. Well, this whole room 
he gets a whole group together. It's boardroom. I'm doing my song and dance. I've got the laptop hooked up to the projector. I'm presenting. And he proceeds to fall asleep during the presentation because he's just you know old and it was you know one of those meetings right after lunch where everyone's tired so he kind of falls asleep and you know there's these two lady techs you know in the room and a a couple other people and they're kind of all looking at him and we're all kind of looking at him but just pretending it's not happening and uh he's going to full snore mode or he's just well just about he was doing the head nod and uh you know you know, the hand would drop off the arm of the chair and stuff like that. And he proceeded to wake himself up by farting. So he ended up (laughs) farting and he woke up and he was just like, whoa. And, you know, everybody in the room was just like in tears trying not to laugh because we're all like, you know, in a professional setting. But, oh, my gosh, like I got out of that meeting and I – I was dying for days just thinking that story. And luckily I had my colleague with me and, you know, we still talk about that story. It was, it was one of the funniest sales meetings I've ever did, been in. Did everybody in the room work for that guy other than you guys? Uh, I think so. I mean, there was, yeah, I think it was kind of a mix, but yeah, a lot of them work for him. Yeah. So. so they can't even make fun of him to his face. No, no. And he actually sent an email, uh, to us after the meeting. Hey, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I fell asleep. You know, he actually was very apologetic about the situation. So, uh, you know, got on him for kind of manning up, but, uh, it was, it was hilarious. So. Didn't, didn't acknowledge the fart though. No, no. We just let that one go or he did, I should say. <laughs> How about you, that's going to go. That's going to that's going to go in my book, Jeremy. That's a good one. Yeah, my uh, I got a good one, and it's building on the whole Woodford theme that Mike started. Um, back when I started at Facat, like right away, before you start selling software, before you're allowed to talk to a customer, they obviously have to teach you so you know what you're talking about, right? So I started in the. You start with this Louis Matar guy, who's like you know, the senior technical person there, the godfather of everything. And he takes you at like six in the morning, you're in his office every day for the first three months. And he's just drilling you with like technical stuff so that you're competent and you're equipped to present the software and know what you're talking about. Well, after finishing three months of this Louis Matar bootcamp, I got thrust into my first ever sales demo where I'm the technical person who's trying to go through all the data, take the data, put it through the analysis techniques, you know, bing, 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 and you're done. Well, I did it on a shale gas well from Simerex uh, that was Woodford. And the workflow we were putting it through wasn't equipped for shale wells. It didn't have multi-fract horizontal well geometry considerations. We never dealt with nano Darcy reservoirs. And uh, the client it actually held back a bunch of the production history on the data that they gave me under a hat. And they said, here, analyze this, interpret this. And I did, and I threw it through all the techniques and all the numbers were nonsense and the forecasts and the reserves and all, it was nonsense. And they said, well, kid, uh, we've got the rest of the data. You're way off. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> we're going to cancel all training with Fiquette. We're going to drop our software. And like, this is my first ever demo, right? And I've just Holy lost crap. a account. And so like my tails between my legs, I go like crying up to the upper floor where, you know, the godfather lives. And I said, you taught me it this way. Like, what the heck? And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I haven't seen these wells before. And um, that was the beginning of the shale boom. And we, I worked for nice. a vendor with Mike, essentially selling interpretation, data interpretation, workflows, analysis and modeling and all this kind of stuff. And uh, we, I was there when it was all getting developed for shale. And so 
that I mean, that's how my career totally took off because I was at the that's right amazing. place at the right time, feeling all the calls for shale wells. And Louis Matar and Dave Anderson, the CEO of Saga Wisdom and a partner of Fiquette with the rest of the, the guys there, uh, they thought shale wells might be a passing fancy. And like, let's give <laughs> all the shale wells to John, uh, like, because <laughs> it's probably not going to be around for very long. And, uh, you know, I was picking up all the phone calls. So it just right place, right time. And, um, Anyway, we got the business back eventually, <laughs> but uh, that was that was my story. Wow, that's that's good stuff. Well, <clears throat> fellas, I, I just wanted to say, but Tim, you got some? You well, I was just, it just reminded me of a story from my my summer internship when I was coming out of school. There was a guy who was doing a presentation of the the early downhole cameras. You run down the hole to kind of look for leaks and stuff. Yeah. And the production engineer walks in with a bucket and just sits down at the end of the table, doesn't say anything to anybody. And the guy's got the camera up and he's showing everybody the room and he, everything. And the uh, production engineer walks up, grabs the camera, dunks it in the water, pulls it back, and the whole thing just fell apart and the, the meeting ended. Just, <laughs> like, well, that's, that's the end of that. Yeah. Myth, in other words, Mythbusters, right? Like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's funny. That's great. Yeah. Well, fellas, thank I wanted to say thank you so much. I mean, this has been high energy and a lot of fun. Um, real quick, tell tell everybody where where they can find you, um, and then I've got kind of a, a quick comment before we go. Sure, you want to take it, John? I was going to give it to you. Look at us. Um, it's sagawisdom.com, so it's pretty straightforward there. www.sagawisdom, S-A-G-A, wisdom.com, and that'll take you to our splash page. I uh, encourage people to click around, look at the courses. There's a bunch of free sample stuff there. We also have a YouTube channel. So if you're on YouTube, type Saga Wisdom. There's a lot of freemium stuff. There's a lot of free freebies in terms of some technical learning opportunities there that we just hand out really just for uh, just to get our brand out there. And um, yeah, no, I really appreciate the time that you fellows have given us. And, and sign up for our newsletter. We put we we yeah. won't uh, spam yeah. you. It's about once a month. Just you know the current uh, new course content that's coming out and kind of some updates with our organization. So if you're interested in hearing more about us, uh, sign up for that newsletter. Yeah, no, I definitely will. And and I'm rooting for you guys. And I hate to end a a, a fun pa podcast on a sad note, but it's a somber week for me, so I have to. You know, 18 years ago, I moved sight unseen to Boulder, Colorado, um, obviously very tragic and, and painful shooting that happened earlier this week. So uh, been a heavy week for me. And I just wanted to say especially thank you to to Tim and the, and the Saga Wisdom guys for, for coming in here and bringing some real positive energy. But uh, a lot going on in the world. And, uh, you know, hope everybody out there stays safe. <laughs>